So this afternoon, we're having Dr. Battle come back again. And uh, let's turn again to 1 Thessalonians 2. We'll look at verses 9 through 20. 1 Thessalonians 2. Verses 9 through 20. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you unto, into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. May God bless the reading of his word. We look forward to Dr. Battle's message. Thank you, Brother Scott. It's a pleasure to be back with you. Much more relaxed atmosphere this afternoon than this morning. I see the relaxation is kicking in already. (laughs) This afternoon, I'd like for us to continue looking at this chapter in 1 Thessalonians and especially noting verse 13, which I'll read again to you. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is, in truth, the word of God, which also effectually or effectively works in you who believe. Paul talks here about how they received the word of God. We saw this morning that the Apostle Paul can look back with thanksgiving at his ministry when he was there with them in Thessalonica for those brief few weeks. He said that when he was there, he ministered in a way that was glorifying to the Lord and a benefit to the people. Now in the next section of verses, he wants to remind them of how they received him, how They recognized God's gift to them in the ministry of Paul and in the gospel which he brought them. So he wants them to look back 
And don't just remember what Paul did, but remember what they did when they received him. And in these verses, starting at verse 13 uh, down through verse 19, the apostle is emphasizing their reaction to Paul's ministry. And he said, if you remember, you really liked us when we were there. (laughs) But it's not just us that you liked. It was the gospel that we brought to you. And I want you to think about how you welcomed that word of God. And in this verse, verse 13 in particular, Paul's talking about the reception of the word. And he begins this section in verse 13 with this expression. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. And if you uh, look back to 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, right at the very beginning, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all. And the, the terminology in verse 2 is almost identical to the terminology here in chapter 2, verse 13. We give thanks uh, for you without ceasing. Now in verse 1, 2, in the first time that that phrase is used, he gives thanks that they were chosen by God, that we thank God because we know he has elected you, because this is what has happened to you. You received the gospel. And now here in verse 2, 2.13, he says, now for this reason we give thanks. And uh, the actual reason is given later in the verse. So you'll notice that. For this reason, we thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word. So the reason for giving thanks here in this verse is because they received the word and the way in which they received the word. And he uses the word this, this reason, before he actually tells you what it is. And uh, I was just discussing this with uh, Brother Scott about a week ago or so, how the word this in the New Testament normally describes something that's already been mentioned. But sometimes the word this is used, and then they tell you what this is after they use the word this, and that's emphatic. That's for great emphasis. And the closest thing I can think of is what they do in the Navy when you're on shipboard and the guy says, now hear What's the word? Now hear this. Now hear this. What? He didn't say what it was. He just hear this. And you say, well, what was that? Well, he hasn't said it yet. Well, then why is he saying now hear this? Well, it's because this gets your attention. It emphasizes the importance of what's going to follow. And that's how the word this is used in these passages in Scripture when the word this is used, and then it tells you what this is. So that's verse 13 here. He says... For this reason, and your natural reaction should be, what reason? What? You know, now, now I'm all ears. I'm ready to hear why you're giving thanks. And the answer is because or that. When you received the word of God, which you heard from us when we came to you and preached the word of God and you received it, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. When you heard us speak, You accepted the words that we gave you as not just from us, but from God himself. And that's for that reason he's giving thanks in particular. And that's related to his first thanksgiving in chapter 1, because that's a mark of their election by God. If God chooses you to be saved when the Bible is read and you hear the gospel, your reaction 
is one of belief. Yes, I, yes, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It strikes the chord in your heart because God has prepared your heart for that and he has changed your heart to receive it and then you receive it just like the good soil receives the seed which bears fruit. So your heart receives the word of God and, and Paul says that's what happened with you. When I gave the word of God, you re- received it. And it's interesting here when Paul says in verse 13, we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word, I want to point out that word received the word. This is one of the very important words in the New Testament. Uh, It's not just to take something, but it's to receive it officially. And it's used for prisoners. If, uh, If you're a guard in the prison, and here comes this other guard with a prisoner, and he comes down the hall, and then he has this clipboard there, and he says, okay, here's prisoner XYZ. You take him. Here, sign here. You sign there. Now he's your prisoner. And if he escapes, it's your fault. It's not that other guy's fault. It's your fault. So you're responsible. So that's receiving. And that's the same word that's used here in this. You received the word of God. So when you heard it from us, you received it. And it wasn't just, oh, yeah, okay, that's interesting. I'll think about that. But you accepted it. You received it officially. It is now yours. You possessed it. You took responsibility for following it. You received that word from us. And that's the thing that really uh, shows their election. And this is why God, uh, God gave Paul the spirit of thanksgiving for them, because they received his word. Now, we notice in that same verse, he says, because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. I'd like to just take a moment to think about that phrase, which you heard from us. Uh, labor is involved in bringing the word to people. And it comes through us. You heard from us. That little expression contains a lot of things in it. You have to look in the book of Acts to see how Paul got there to Thessalonica. What led him to go to that church, to go to that city and start the church there? It wasn't just a casual thing. Paul dedicated his life, and so did the other men with him. They dedicated those years out of their life to take the word to them. That word was a precious commodity that they delivered to those in Thessalonica. And it took effort, risk, and hardship, and suffering, and patience, and endurance for Paul to take that word to them. So you heard it from us. contains a lot of Paul's life. Uh, my son's interested in, in uh, genealogies, especially the genealogies of people in New England back in the 18th century and 17th century. But uh, in, the, in the process of studying those lives and families, it's interesting, there's a lot of history of people leaving England and coming to New England in America uh, because of their faith in Christ. And some time ago, I remember reading, and I copied a section out here, uh, the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. Now, Benjamin Franklin was not a, uh, especially a Christian man. Uh, he was more of a deist. But he, uh, of course, is one of our founding fathers in the, in the United States here and was uh, of great service at the beginning of our nation in various capacities. But it's interesting, he, in his autobiography, he tells about his family background. 
And here's, uh, here are his words. <clears throat> and uh, he's talking about his ancestors who lived in England. This obscure family of ours was early in the Reformation, meaning uh, they took part in the Reformation in the earliest years of the Reformation in England, which would be the 1530s and 40s, and continued Protestants through the reign of Queen Mary. So uh, Mary was the uh, Queen of England in the 1550s, and uh, she was known as Bloody Mary, right? Because uh, under her rule, almost 300 Protestants were burned at the stake. And uh, uh, in her short reign, she managed to really wreck her own reputation and uh, ever since be known by that moniker of Bloody Mary. Well, he says, uh, throughout the reign of Queen Mary, they were continuing to be Protestants, his ancestors. When they were sometimes in danger of trouble on account of their zeal against popery. So apparently they were not only Protestants, but rather vocal uh, Protestants. They had got an English Bible. Now, back in those days, uh, English Bibles were a new thing. Uh, remember William Tyndale first translated the Bible into English from Greek and Hebrew, and he was active in publishing the English Bible in the Netherlands and then having it smuggled into England. And a lot of times the authorities in England would, would uh, find crates of these Bibles and they would burn them uh, whenever they did. But uh, they were still sneaking in. There's a high demand and therefore uh, profit to be made. Uh, by the booksellers in getting these Bibles over into England. Some of them managed to work their way out of the docks and into the cities, especially in the southeastern part of England. So his family here was actually uh, one of these early Bible owners, English Bible, uh, in the reign of Queen Mary. And of course, under Queen Mary, the English Bible was illegal. So uh, that was a dangerous thing. It says they had got an English Bible and they concealed it and secured it. It was fastened open with tapes under, uh, under and within the cover of a joint stool. So it would be, be like taking the piano bench here and turning it upside down and then installing a couple of metal straps uh, on, the, on the bottom of it. And then they put this big Bible under those straps so it could be opened up to a particular page and then you have it under there and that's how they kept their English Bible it says when my great great grandfather read it to his family he turned up the joint stool upon his knees turning over the leaves then under the tapes so uh, you sit on a chair turn that stool over and there the legs would be sticking up, you know, and then uh, there'd be the Bible there under those straps and he could read and then turn the page and slip it under the strap and keep reading. And that's how he would read the Bible to his family. It says, uh, <clears throat> one of the children stood at the door to give notice if he saw the apparitor, apparit I'm not sure what how to pronounce that. Anyway, it's an official of the queen, uh, one of their watch people. Uh, he saw this person approaching who was an officer of the spiritual court. That's the Roman Catholic uh, court. In that case, the stool was turned down upon its feet, 
where the Bible remained concealed under it as before. So the person looks in the windows or opens the door and here all the family sitting around and no Bibles anywhere. So that's Benjamin Franklin's great-great-grandfather uh, reading the English Bible to his family there in England under great risk. If they got arrested, uh, they could be put in prison or fined or even executed. He then goes on to say, in that case, let's see, this anecdote I had from my uncle Benjamin. So I asked my son about this. Apparently Benjamin Franklin's father and uncle came to America then uh, and they continued as, as uh, what they called dissenting Protestants, uh, not a part of the Church of England. The family continued all in the Church of England till about the end of the Charles II's reign when some of the ministers that had been outed for nonconformity holding conventicles in Northamptonshire, Benjamin and Josiah adhered to them and so continued all their lives. The rest of the family lived in the Episcopal Church. So uh, apparently these two brothers were faithful to the non-conformists, that is to say, to like the Puritans, and uh, they came to America, and uh, of course Benjamin Franklin derived uh, from that family. But I just pointed, I, I just read that, I remember and thinking, wow, you know, reading the Bible used to be quite a thing, and if you received the Bible, it was a, an important decision, and a, a risky one. And that's how it was in Thessalonica. He says, you received it with much labor, with much labor on Paul's part, much risk on your own part. But they also received it with submission. As he says, they submitted to the scriptures. In verse 13, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. You submit it to the scriptures. You welcomed it. And that word welcomed has this idea of, of submitting to it. Uh, you go to the, the doctor's office. I got my flu shot yesterday and, and uh, went in the drugstore there. And I had to hold my arm up, you know, shoulder and get the flu shot. And uh, I had to submit to that. I didn't fight it. I didn't argue. You know, I submitted. And... Uh, now, you can breathe on me, and I have no fear. <laughs> but uh, in those days, you know, we, we submit to things that are for our good, even though it may be difficult. Of course, getting a flu shot is not very difficult. It's quite simple. But uh, to submit to the scriptures means you just let it come into you. You just accept it and receive it. And that's the word here, to receive. You just, it's just like that, that immunization. You let, you let it go in you and let it have its effect. And then finally, you received it with assurance. And this is in, at the end of verse 13. You welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You had great assurance. You trusted that this indeed is the word of God. You trusted it for its truth and for its power. It works effectively in you. When you read and study and memorize the scriptures, it produces spiritual fruit in you. It's one of the means of grace. As we hear the word, as Jesus said, now you are pure through the word that I have spoken to you. It purifies us, cleanses us. It makes us more spiritually minded toward the Lord. 
So this is receiving the word. And I just like to, this afternoon, uh, as we as we meditate upon this, conclude with this thought: that as we receive the word of God, we should be like these Thessalonians. We receive it with labor and diligence, labor in those who bring it to us, and labor in receiving it, and we receive it with assurance. We know it's God's word. It bears witness in our hearts as we read it that it's his word. We don't fight against it. We receive it with submission. We recognize it, that it is indeed the word of God. And when we see that happening, we can then give thanks. Give thanks to God that he's given us his word. Give thanks to God that we have received it and that it is working within us. And then like Paul and his fellow companions, we should labor to see that others receive the word from us and bring the word to them. I really like our name of our church, the Bible Presbyterian Church. I know there's all kinds of different Reformed Presbyterians and First Presbyterians. As a matter of fact, I remember <coughs> driving around cross country with Dr. Kofal, Highland College gospel team, and we came to Firth, Nebraska. F-I-R-T-H was a little town in Nebraska, and we had a Bible Presbyterian church there, the Firth Bible Presbyterian Church. <laughs> and we all kind of made fun of that name, and uh, that, that church kind of faded away, I think. But uh, <laughs> you remember the Firth Bible Presbyterian Church? <laughs> it was back in our day anyway. Uh, but there's different names that churches have, and they're, they're good names. It might be the name of your town, like Tacoma or Olympia. It might be the name of something in the Bible or, or some famous person in the Bible or, or like you know, the word Reformed. We have several Reformed Bible Presbyterian churches. But I like Bible Presbyterian because that's our emphasis. That's what God has implanted in our hearts. That's what unites us together with brethren all around the world. And we are uh, Bible Presbyterians, and that, that first Bible word is important, is the important one. So thank God that we've received his word, and may we continue to live upon it. Uh, let us pray. <clears throat> Our Father, we give thanks for the privilege we have to receive the word. And we think of these people in Thessalonica that had never heard the gospel, and here comes Paul for three weeks and brings them this message, and your Holy Spirit worked in their hearts because they had been chosen by God. And they received this word and rejoiced in it and submitted to it. And Lord, we just thank you for that wonderful evidence of your grace in saving souls. And Lord, we pray that that same grace would work in us, that we would receive your word and that we would then take it to others so that your people all over may receive it as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>